This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year, January 1st, 2021. And how great is it to be able to say that that dumpster fire of a year of 2020 is over. I saw a thing uh, yesterday on, um, I don't know, it was Facebook or something, but basically saying, hey, listen, 2021, we don't need you to be anything spectacular. You just, you know, the bar is set pretty low. Uh, we just need something better than what we just had, and uh, I am optimistic uh, that we will. Um, I don't know how many of you are with us this morning. Uh, probably still some hangovers at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning here uh, on the East Coast, but uh, thank you for those of you that uh, have checked in with us, those of you that will listen later on on the podcast. The podcast going very well, by the way. We are available on Apple Podcasts, we are available on Amazon Music, we are available on Spotify, at Red Circle. Um, there are several places where you can catch our podcast. You can find it on our website, sportscountry.net. So, uh, again, welcome to those of you, and Happy New Year. Uh, it is a bit of a sad day. I mentioned this last week, a bit of a sad day. This is the first time uh, in nearly 15 years that WCNX Radio here in Middletown uh, has not been on the air. And I mentioned uh, John and Judy Clark uh, have decided to take it off the air. John uh, has been diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer, and he is fighting that now. So um, uh, going to be a hole in the sports coverage here in New England, uh, or in especially in Connecticut, uh, no high school sports on WCNX. And, and John and Judy did such a great job for uh, bringing you high school football and basketball for 13 years. And uh, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. I, I know I certainly am. And the people in this area are going to miss it more than they know. So I uh, just wanted to acknowledge that one more time. All right, uh, we got a lot to get to this morning. Dan Zampano is going to join us at uh, 9.30 this morning to talk NFL football. Um, I took the last couple of days off doing some renovation on an RV for my daughter. She's decided that uh, she wants to do some tiny home living and live in a 33-foot or 34-foot RV. Uh, so we've been uh, tearing out things and rebuilding them and uh, – my uh, my stepson Joe is here, and uh, he has been uh, an enormous help. Matter of fact, without him, I'd be screwed. So I am so thankful that he is here. Um, today is the start of the college football playoffs. Of course, the top four teams participating today. Uh, number one, Alabama against number four, Notre Dame. That game will be coming up this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and then tonight at 8 o'clock, it's number two, Clemson, and number three, Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, and the winners of that will face off for the for the national championship. Um, so we'll get we'll get Dan Zampano's take on that as well. He is a big uh, big college football fan as well. Uh, there was a couple of bowl games yesterday. One of them was a bit of a zoo, ended in a brawl. Number uh, twenty two Tulsa came in looking for a victory against Mississippi State. Well, that didn't happen. Mississippi State beat him in the Armed Forces Bowl twenty eight twenty six. But what's notable about this game? is there was a massive brawl at the end of the game. There was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty as uh, uh, Tulsa was trying to make a comeback, and things just got ugly. 
Um, it, it just nuts. One of the uh, one of the defensive backs uh, on Tulsa's team ended up with a concussion out of the whole thing. And you know, you look at this and look good for Mississippi State that you won a game. It's a hell of a way for it to finish. But when you look at this, Mississippi State had no reason even being in a bowl game. They came into this game three and seven. Three and seven teams do not make college football bowls, and the only reason they did was because of the 2020 pandemic, where there were so few teams available for bowl games that teams with horrible records were getting into games they had no business being in. Um, so, uh, look, I mean, again, give Mississippi State a lot of credit. They took advantage of it, but they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And the fact that it ended like that is just uh, unfortunate. Uh, another bowl game yesterday, and uh, thought this might be a decent bo- game, uh, the Cotton Bowl, but we kind of had a feeling when we heard late in the week that Florida's four top receivers were not going to be in this game. One of them because of the coronavirus. The other three because they wanted to concentrate and not getting hurt before the NFL draft. So, you know, you work with your team all season long. You get them to a position in Florida where you are number seven in the country. And then when it's time for your final game, you bail out on the team and on the school. And I just, I understand it. It happens all the time. It's just unfortunate because this could have been a good game. I mean, look in the, the, uh, SEC championship game, that Florida team gave Alabama all it could handle. You know, they, they put up a ton of points against a very good Alabama team. Of course they couldn't, their defense couldn't stop anybody, but last night, same problem. Oklahoma beat Florida in last night's game, 55 to 20. 55 to 20 against a team that had one of the most, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in college football and one of the best offenses, and they were just brutal. Brutal. Um, And, you know, look, Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback, is going to, is decided that he is not going to come back to school. He is going to go into the NFL draft early. A lot of people expected that would be the case. And, uh, but if that was your debut for NFL teams, it was ugly 16 of 28 for 158 yards and you threw three interceptions. So, uh, not good, you know, and, uh, but when, you know, in trash defense, he didn't have his best receivers, you know, your, your tight end and your three top wide receivers didn't play. So, but an ugly game. Ugly game. And and Trask will go high in the draft. Look, Trask got a hell of a year. Completed 69% of his passes through 43 touchdown passes. He led the nation in passing yards. He led the nation in touchdown passes. Um, he shattered records that had been held by Danny Warfel, that, uh, the former Heisman Trophy winner that won it back in 1996. Uh, so, you know, Trask is the real deal, and he will go high in the upcoming NFL draft. Um, some... Milestones were reached for women this past week, just before um, the new year. Becky Hammond, who has been an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs for a few years, um, got the opportunity for the first time we had a woman that was coaching an NBA team. Uh Greg Popovich got himself ejected in the second quarter 
of the game against the Los Angeles Lakers on Wednesday night. And uh, so he turned to Hammond as he's walking out, and he said, you got him. That's literally what he said. You got him, and he left the court. And so for the next two and a half quarters, Becky Hammond led the team. She was calling out the defenses, calling out the offensive sets. And, uh, you know, look, they didn't win the game. As she said, it would have been nice, uh, you know, to walk out of there with a victory. But, uh, you know, they lost to the Lakers 121 to 107. And, and she said, you know, after the game, they asked her about it. And she said she's tried not to think, you know, about the big picture. She said because it's overwhelming. And she hasn't had any time to reflect on it yet. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, this is one of these things that I have, and I know it's mostly, you know, male chauvinism. There's no question about that. And there is plenty of that in the NBA. There is plenty of, uh, uh, I, I don't even know what the right term, I was going to say piggishness, but there is a lot of male chauvinists and a lot of disrespect of women going on. Uh, in a lot of the major leagues, especially in the NBA. Um, but for years, men have coached women's basketball teams. This is to take nothing away from great basketball coaches like Gino Ariema. I'm not saying that men shouldn't coach women's teams. But if men can coach women's teams, why can't women coach men's teams? And we know the simple answer to that is because of chauvinism. Because men don't want to listen to women. Look, how many of us in our marriages, and I am as guilty as anybody, I'll admit it, that there are times when your wife will be speaking about something that you think she should know nothing about and you tune it out. We've all done that. It's, it's all over the Internet when they call it mansplaining. On Twitter, you know, when a woman will give a an opinion on something about sports, be it football, be it basketball, be it baseball, and some guy will step up and say, well, you know, you're just a woman. You don't know anything. You know, what do you know? And, you know, then they will go on to explain why they're wrong or why they don't know what they're talking about, you know? And so, uh, it's common, but it is time that we see this, that we see a woman coaching an NBA team. Look, and it's not like Becky Hammond doesn't know anything about basketball folks. You know, I, I will, again, I will be the first to admit that I prefer men's basketball over women's basketball. I find women's basketball to be too slow for my liking. Doesn't mean that the women aren't talented. Doesn't mean that what they do isn't good. It's just I prefer the speed of the men's game. Same thing with women's hockey. And it's just, it is what it is. But it doesn't mean that these women don't know the game. Look, Becky Hammond was a three-time All-American basketball player at Colorado State. She played in the WNBA for the New York Liberty and the San Antonio Stars, as well as playing overseas. She's been on Greg Popovich's staff in San Antonio 
for, I think, six years. She knows the game. She can coach. She should be given an opportunity at some point to coach a men's basketball team in the NBA. And it's it's time for that. I don't think we'll ever see a woman coaching in the NFL. I don't think we'll ever see a woman as a manager in Major League Baseball. But in basketball, the tactics of basketball, ladies and gentlemen, whether you are playing the men's game or the women's game, the game is the same. You know, there are differences in some other, you know, in other men's sports versus women's sports. I mean, there's differences in the two hockeys in rules. There's differences in lacrosse. Um, you know, in baseball, it's a little bit trickier for a woman, um, but we're going to talk about that. I mean, I'm not saying a woman can't coach, but I don't know if we'll ever see a manager as a woman. I may be wrong on that, but as far as basketball goes, I firmly believe there is no reason why Becky Hammond or any other qualified woman shouldn't get an opportunity to coach in the NBA. And I will be honest with you. And you can say this is, uh, and maybe it's because I'm the father of two daughters. But it is high time that women got an opportunity to coach men in college basketball. If If it's good enough for the men to coach the women, it should be good enough for the women to coach the men. Look, if you took somebody, and I'm just going to throw a name out there. Let's say tomorrow Sue Bird decides to retire from the WNBA, and she's close to that. I mean, she's of an age now where she's not going to be playing much longer. If Sue Bird decided tomorrow that she wanted to coach men's basketball in college, let's say, uh, again, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's not going to happen. Let's say Danny Hurley left UConn, and Sue Bird, who is one of the greatest women's basketball players in UConn history, wanted an opportunity to coach men's basketball, why shouldn't she be given that opportunity? And I couldn't think of a better place than to come back to UConn. Now, I'm not trying to start anything. Danny Hurley's not going anywhere. I'm just making the case that Sue Bird has been a great, was a great college player, has been a great pro, and is somebody that knows the game inside and out, just like Becky Hammond does. Why shouldn't she be given an opportunity to coach in college basketball? I think it is a fair question. And I think it is high time that it happened. And I think that we may well see a woman coaching, and I, whether it's Becky Hammond or somebody else, we may well see a woman head coach in the NBA at some point. It's going to take a ballsy owner. It's going to take an owner that, it, that has the, uh, <sighs> the gravitas, I guess, so that people will pay attention, including the players, because that's going to be the biggest hurdle that we, we all know that she's going to face is, you know, these young men or young adults that have to take a woman as a head coach, knowing that as a man, I can run faster, I can jump higher, I'm stronger, I'm all these things that she's not. But what they what they have to understand, and this is the this is the point I'm making, a man may be stronger, faster, whatever, and can jump higher, 
But when it comes to brain power, when it comes to tactics, when it comes to understanding the game of basketball, there is no reason why a woman can't do the same thing. You know, there are women out there that are just as smart as Greg Popovich is as an NBA coach, that are just as smart as Brad Stevens is as an NBA coach, and they should be given the opportunity. And so good... You know, good for Becky Hammond that she became the first. Now she did it. She, you know, she needed her coach to get you know ejected from the game for it to happen. But good on good on San Antonio that uh, and Greg Popovich that they've had the courage to have her on that staff for six years, and I think she's earned respect on that team. LeBron James himself, you know, after the game, I mean, this is the you know he was the guy that that was playing against her. You know, he was. He thought it was great. He said, look, it, you know, she's paid her dues. And he said it was a beautiful thing just to hear her barking out calls. She's very passionate about the game. Congrats to her and congrats for our league. And he's right. And that's the thing. If you get somebody like LeBron James buying in as well, you know, if, if LeBron James and a couple of these other big stars buy into the idea of a woman head coach, maybe Becky Hammond isn't just coaching a game because the head coach got ejected. Maybe one day Becky Hammond's coaching in the NBA because somebody realizes that, you know what, she's pretty smart and she knows the game and she can coach men just the same way that men can coach women. 16 minutes past the hour, we got one more milestone that happened uh, in Major League Sports, and we'll get to that right after this break. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 19 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning, the first day of January. Uh, Dan Zampano coming up at 9.30 to talk NFL football, talk about the the, uh, playoff races, and, uh, boy, the coronavirus has taken a number on the – on the playoffs, uh, there's some significant uh, developments in that, so we'll talk about that coming up at 9.30. Uh, so I mentioned another milestone that happened this week. Now, the hiring will not become official for another week or two yet, but it was announced yesterday that the Red Sox have hired Bianca Smith as a minor league coach. Now, there are a couple of other uh, female uh, coaches in Major League Baseball. Um, so she's, you know, she's not breaking that ground because of course, uh, the San Francisco giants this last season had Alyssa Nacken on the field. She became the first on-field female coach, um, in major league baseball histories. And they have a few other on-field coaches at the minor league level. Uh, the Yankees have one, the Cubs have one and the Cardinals have one. Uh, but Bianca Smith is significant in that she becomes the first black woman as a minor league coach. And she is going to work uh, in the minor leagues in Fort Myers for the Red Sox, mainly with position players. Um, And it's interesting. I mean, the Red Sox, one of the last teams to integrate players when they integrated the major leagues. You know, Jackie Robinson, when he broke the color barrier for the Dodgers, it was a number of years before the Red Sox finally um, got Pumpsy Green to become their first black player. So it's been a while. Um, since the Red Sox kind of led <laughs> led um, the league on anything. And, of course, you know, in Major League Baseball, um, there was also our first female general manager this year, uh, Kim, Kim Ang, who was hired by the Marlins. 
So, you know, there's been a lot of big things this year, and now Bianca Smith uh, joining the Red Sox, another milestone crossed for women and for black women. Uh, and Bianca Smith, look, she played softball at Dartmouth. And by the way, she went to Dartmouth, so that tells you that she's smarter than most of us. You know, <laughs> she, she got into Dartmouth. She's smarter than I am. Uh, so she, was, she played softball at Dartmouth for three years. Uh, she was the director of baseball operations and a graduate assistant at Case Western Reserve for four years. And she served as, as an assistant coach at the University of Dallas. Uh, in addition, she ha- has some major league experience um, when she interned for the Rangers in their baseball operations department, but she has never done anything on field. So she will become the first black woman to work on field uh, in major league baseball. That is just, that's awesome. I mean, it's just great. You know, and I was mentioning pro football a little while ago. I don't think we'll ever see a head coach in the NFL, and I still believe that, and you you can disagree if you want. And this isn't because, you know, I don't think, you know, they should. I just think that's the ultimate macho, and women don't, you know, look, we know women don't play football. I know we've, we've had some breakthroughs in that. Um, you know, the young lady, uh, from Vanderbilt this year who got a chance to kick, I mean, that, which was cool. Uh, that was very cool. Um, Sarah Fuller, and we had a female assistant coach in the NFL. If you remember, uh, Katie Sowers got hired by the San Francisco 49ers last year and, uh, she became the first woman to coach in a Super Bowl, you know. Uh, so it, there's no reason why they, she couldn't be a coach. I just don't think she'll ever be a head coach. But regardless, I think that uh, it has been as bad as 2020 was overall, and we all know how bad it was. Uh, there were some some great things that happened, especially for women um, in 2020. So, uh, and look, here's for 2021, continuing the trend. Uh, a couple other things to get to before Dan Zampano joins us here at 930. Uh, hopefully uh, Dan is uh, upright by now. I don't know how late he stayed up celebrating last night. The old man that I am, by the way, didn't. Uh, 11 o'clock, I'm in bed. It was, it was all over. Uh, all over. Uh, some big news out of Boston this week and some sad news if you are a Boston Bruins fan. And I'm not – look, I'm not a huge Bruins fan. Um, so I was a Hartford Whaler fan. I don't pretty much root for any team anymore. I still like the game of hockey, but I don't have one team that I root for because they took my team away from me <laughs> when uh, the Whalers left to go to Carolina. Yeah, I know. I haven't gotten over it, and a lot of us haven't. So I don't root for any particular team. But the one thing I did like is I was – I'm a big fan of Zdeno Chara, longtime captain of the Boston Bruins – a guy who has been with the Bruins for the better part of, what, 15 years, 16 years. Uh, he and the Bruins have parted ways. Chara decided that he wanted to play another season. Look, he's 44 years old. You know, and not since Gordy Howe. <laughs> you know, I mean, we don't see people that age playing very often. And he's still playing at a pretty good level. Now, he suffered some injuries last year that slowed him down. And he said, look... He said he decided that 
when he was skating in the offseason, before he made a decision what he was going to do, he said if he started to skate and train the way that he normally did, then he was going to play. He's been in the league for 22 years, and he, if he if he still felt good when he went out to start to get himself back in shape for a new season, then he was going to play. That he was going to come back. And so the Bruins decided that they offered him a contract. They wanted him to come back, but what they said to him was there was no guarantee of playing time. That they wanted to start working in some of the younger players on the roster. And uh, Chara wants to play more. He wanted more time on the ice, and so he decided to leave. And he has signed with the Washington Capitals for $750,000. It's not a lot of money. I mean, he probably could have, he could, well, I know he could have gotten that and maybe a little bit more from the Bruins to stay if he would accept being a part-time player. He he wants to continue to play. Hey, look, and I, this is a guy that has been a warrior in the uh, NHL for a lot of years, and he is a beloved player in Boston, and I'm going to miss him, you know, just watching him play in Boston. Again, I'm not a huge Bruins fan, but he's a guy who has been a fixture with that organization for a long, long time, uh, and it's going to seem strange to see Zdeno Chara uh, in a Washington Capitals uniform. And, of course, the the Twitter universe was just losing their minds because, you know, you go back and, you know, they're equating this with Tom Brady leaving. They're equating it um, with Mookie Betts leaving. And, you know, I get the comparison in that, you know, especially Brady where you've, you've been in New England forever. Um, so, I mean, I get it. Mookie Betts wasn't there quite as long. But it's the same idea that Red Sox fans uh, or Boston fans in general – have had a lot of players ripped away from them uh, in this past year, you know, and just and as you can imagine, it was just another one of those like, oh, thanks, twenty twenty. Here's a here's another shot. Uh, but you know, and and you're taking away a guy who has been a team captain. It would have been like the Red Sox trading Jason Veritek or Carl Yastrzemski when they were team captains, you know, or the New York Yankees. Uh, trading away their captain in Derek Jeter. I mean, Char has been in Boston since, well, I think, 2005, 2006, something like that. So that's a tough one for uh, for Bruin fans to swallow, no question about it. Uh, one other quick note before we take a break, and Dan Zampano will join us uh, with the uh, World Juniors going on. The U.S., after an opening loss to Russia in the first game, uh, has now recorded three straight shutouts. Uh, they shut out Sweden yesterday, 4 nothing. They ended up winning uh, Group B. So uh, the U.S. on a bit of a roll. Uh, their goaltenders have played exceptionally well. They beat Austria 11 nothing. The Czech Republic 7 nothing. Uh, so uh, the U.S. will move on uh, into the quarterfinals. And, uh, uh, and by the way, Sweden lost in regulation in the preliminary round for the first time since 2006. So it had been a while since Sweden had lost uh, a game in the prelims. It's 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano joins us to talk about the NFL. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It is 30 minutes past the hour, and uh, we are pleased to be joined by the one and only Dan Zampano, ready to ring in a new year with us. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Are you hungover? That's the first question. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that one, but 
you know, I can confirm that we have a great slate of uh, football this whole weekend, actually, with college football starting this week, uh, t- tonight with the playoff, and then the NFL, and we find out finally. I can't believe this, this, this season goes by faster than any other year. I mean, it's unbelievable. Maybe this year was a good thing because 2020 sucked. But uh, basically, this is just the fastest season in all of professional sports. I can't believe it's week 17. You know, before we get to talk about this week's games and stuff, what? How did you? Uh, you like the news that the NFL is going to play seventeen games next year instead of sixteen? Uh, they came out with this over the summer. I don't love. I like the seven teams in the playoffs. I don't love the seventeen weeks. I think the sixteen weeks was very symmetrical. It made a lot of sense. You had the schedule makers have a very easy time of rotating divisionals and you know rotating divisions and cross cross conference uh, cross conference games and now you play an extra cross conference game so i think the afc east the next year will play the nfc north or something like that right so they'll play one game against an nfc north opponent in whatever place they finish it, it's it's a little bit antiquated to me i'm not a huge fan all right, let's get to some of last week's games before we talk. You know, we've got the we've got some matchups this week that are going to be very interesting. And unfortunately, you know, the COVID nineteen is not done with us yet, and it is going to affect some playoff games this week. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, one of the games that is going to be impacted by that is going to be the Pittsburgh Cleveland game. And what a strange game last week between the Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts. That was like two completely different games. And it was like Ben Roethlisberger got out of his crypt somehow in the second half and decided all of a sudden, hey, let's start throwing the ball down the field and see if that works. And lo and behold, it did. Yeah, finally. I mean, it took forever in the game. But Deontay Johnson with a very nice big touchdown catch, and they got the ball down to Juju Smith-Schuster as well with a touchdown catch. And, you know, it was really about the Steelers. That's been the Steelers' kind of bread and butter all year long is, like, if they don't push the ball down the field, then they're not really they're not really a viable offense at the end of the day. I think also, too, what hurt, what hurt the Colts is that they had, what was their fourth quarter drives, if you go back and look at them, Three and out, three and out, interception by Philip Rivers. I mean, there's, you know, you can't do that on the road against a playoff team and open the door like that. And the Colts are going to maybe have to learn the hard way and possibly not make the playoffs now. So that puts that in a precarious position. Pittsburgh, again, they're going to be fighting for that two seed. But to me, I think it's the wisest decision in the world. If there's one team that needs to, to rest players like they're doing, it's Pittsburgh, yeah. and they're going to be resting a few players, especially some big ones like Ben and, and T.J. Watt and others. So, uh, yeah, very strange game, 24-7 gun back for the Steelers. Well, you know, and uh, it's, yes, they need to rest them, but they're actually going to get a break because Cleveland is getting hit hard uh, by the coronavirus, mm. and they're going to have guys out this week. And, you know, I was going to kind of wait to talk about that, but they're going to be missing a couple more guys on defense because – of the coronavirus. So if you're the Steelers, it's like, uh, thank you very much. But now all of a sudden, uh, Denzel Ward is not going to be able to play, nor is Malcolm Smith this weekend. Yeah, those are two huge blows for their defense, obviously. I mean, the Browns, look, you know what? I I think I said it to you the other day. uh, Tenth grade goalie getting pushed around by the second graders in the Jets (laughs) the other day. I, I, I just... 
there were so many COVID injuries. I mean, it's the worst time for that to happen and with COVID relief because the four receivers that were out, Baker Mayfield couldn't find anybody open against the Jets. Yeah. So it really shows you, like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, the run game is, is really good, but they still need to be able to push it down the field. And the run game is stoppable. Their right. run game is stoppable. They only have limits. That's what I talk about with the 10th grade bully. They beat up on teams. They have limitations. They have limitations. And that's the whole real kind of point is that if they don't have the weapons around them, and now with missing defensive players, it's like they're even more vulnerable. So this is a situation where the Browns have not been in since 2002. So, you know, it, it's it's been a long time for the Browns in this in this spot. You know, and the Browns may be missing some guys, but you also have to look at last week. Baker Mayfield did his Jared Goff imitation, and you mm. know, with, with the turnovers. I mean, and you can put a lot of that loss on Baker Mayfield's inability to take care of the football. Yeah, I mean, you can't fumble the ball on a fourth and one QB sneak. It's right. like you know, hello, the cardinal rule here. Uh, but you know what? I mean. At the end of the day, when you're missing and throwing a when throwing a practice squad guys and that you haven't had any chemistry with all year, right. I mean that's a problem. Is that I mean uh, of highest proportion? So I mean this is <laughs> I mean if you're a Browns fan, it's like stop 2020, like please, like we need to make it into the playoffs here. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. And how about? The strange week for the Washington football team. You know, uh, <laughs> their quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, kind of goes uh, off the reservation, goes to a party, gets fined, <laughs> loses his captaincy, stinks like crazy in the game against Carolina, is responsible for them losing a game they should have won. And then they cut the guy that was a number one draft pick and now they're going to have to win a game this weekend, praying to all that is holy that Alex Smith is healthy enough to play. Yeah, I mean, what what a week for oh, Dwayne. I mean, you, you you throw it away all on, on just because you couldn't keep it in your pants. Huh? I mean, it's, <laughs> what, it's, un, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Then he goes out and fires his agent. It's like, okay, yeah. I, I have, I have fun getting picked up by a team next year. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, but you know what? It goes to show you, how did that kid get captain? I mean, how did he, yeah. of all players, get captain? The way he's acted on the field is unbelievable. Alex Smith taking first-team reps in practice this week, which is a good sign. But, man, if they have to start Tyler Heineke. Oh, good Lord. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, what a great what a great game NBC picked, huh? Tyler Heineke versus Jalen Hurd. Well, I mean, thanks, NBC. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, you couldn't have picked anything else. I would have rather seen the Wofford kid from the Rams. I mean, right. I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird game to pick. You know why they're doing it? Obviously, because NFC East, you know, TV ratings. But yeah, Washington, man, they're going to have to rely on their defense one more time. And against a young quarterback, that's going to be a very difficult proposition. If you can't, like we said, that's why I didn't like Washington last week. If you can't move the ball down the field, you got no shot. You got no shot. You can't ride your defense to score twenty points. It's just not going to happen. So that's what they're going to really have to rely on Washington to, to, the the defensive line to come out and and hold Hurts to like ten points in this game. It's going to be really hard. Game of the week last week, as far as I'm concerned, the Miami Dolphins victory over the Raiders. Oh. Fitzmagic comes off the bench to do it yet again, and now. 
to make it. But but then now, to talk about ripping Dolphins' hearts out. Now you, you give yourself a shot, but with that great comeback, now Fitzpatrick can't play this week, so you have to start Tua at quarterback because Fitzpatrick has been te- has tested positive for the coronavirus, so he's out. You know what I took away from that game? I took away two things. One, Tua was not the right pick. I still believe that. At this point, Tua was clearly not the right pick. If he can't push the ball down the field and on the sidelines, that that's a problem. Yep. That's a problem for the Dolphins. They have a long-term quarterback problem. And the other thing I took away from that game was that, man, John Gruden is overrated. I mean, uh, man, is he overrated. I, I've always thought, I, I've it, always thought that. And you, you know the other thing I missed, Dan? I really wish mm-hmm. that, that coaches didn't have to wear masks because I would have killed – I would have paid money to be able to see the expression on John Gruden's face when they blew that game. It, it, that final five minutes was just a train wreck in coaching fallacy. Um, you know, I, I get what he was trying to do. I get what he was trying to do, trying to milk the clock and, 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 and kick the field goal. That is, an, that is an understandable thing to do. But in that situation, it's not like he's going up by three points or anything like that. He's right. going up by what? Two. So at that spot, you know, not only does he kick the field goal, but then he's saying in the press conference while we were trying to milk the clock, they snapped the field goal with like 13 seconds left in the play clock. Yeah. What are you talking about? You're trying to milk the clock. Like you could have taken another 13 seconds off. Right. At the end, it didn't really matter because of the huge, crazy play. But still, like you can't use that argument in a press conference and, and then – do what you do on the field. So it doesn't make any sense. It, it's a very strange. The Raiders are just always obviously in a very strange situation in their in their franchise. But yeah, Miami. Uh, this is a big game for them because I think Buffalo is going to play a lot of their players, and this is where Tua has to show up. If he didn't show up in this game, maybe Miami seriously considers with that top five pick they get from the Houston. Uh, maybe they seriously consider possibly going quarterback in the first round. About, I, I wouldn't be surprised. How about, like, uh, you know, you're in Miami. How about you take Trask maybe in that top five pitch? Guy who is decided. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I don't know if he'd go that high, but, I mean, there's plenty of guys there. I well, mean, they, yeah. they have their pick of the litter. They have their pick of the litter, whoever well, they like, outside of, anybody, outside of yeah, Lawrence. Anybody so. not named Joey Lawrence, they would have their shot at That's for yeah. sure. Um, and so now we get down to this week, and we have – we have some fun games, and the first one is if you are the Washington Redskins, and we're going to start with our picks early here because I want to get to some college football before we get off uh, today. Um, so the Redskins are going to be a two-point favorite at home against an awful Philadelphia team. Philly has nothing to play for. Washington has everything to play for. Is Alex Smith coming back going to be enough for them to pull this one out? I don't know, because Terry McLaurin is doubtful for the game, so that's a big ball for them. That means Philly doesn't really have to cover anybody of significance, okay. I would say. In the, but they do have to still cover. Right. And Philly has struggled mightily. I mean, last week they got murdered by oh. Dallas. I mean, absolutely murdered. So, you know, if Hurts can take care of the ball, uh, and they have defensive guys come back off of injury, like Fletcher Cox is the, is the main cog in the wheel. Right. Fletcher Cox doesn't play... Philly's going to have a hard time. Right. Uh, if he does play, I think that Alex Smith is going to have a really hard time. Uh, but 
to me, I think this one comes down to the fact that the NFC East is so inconsistent and so up and down, and just when you think you have it pegged, something crazy happens. I think Philly has too much pride, and I think Jalen Hurts in this game grabs the reign of the quarterback position in Philadelphia and never lets go of it. I think he has a big game in this game. I think Philadelphia wins, and, and whoever wins that Giants-Cowboys game, which I'm sure you'll make me pick, is going to the playoffs. Um, wow. You know, and, but just a quick thing, you know, you, you mentioned that if, if Hertz really does take control, what is Philly going to do with a guy like Carson Wentz? And on the same th- thing, assuming that Dak Prescott is back next year, think about how coveted Andy Dalton is going to be w- with what he has done in Dallas. You know, those are a couple of guys that a couple of potential backup quarterbacks that teams with some quarterback issues, hello, New England, are probably really going to be interested in. Yeah, I can't imagine that Andy Dalton is going to be let go. I think they'll try to re-sign him, obviously, with what he did this year. But with Wentz, man, you have an opportunity of a lifetime to pick up that guy and probably get him for nothing. I mean, it it is a really... Really, you can get a really good deal for Wentz uh, because of the, what his contract situation is. Man, I, and I don't think Wentz. I, I think that the Eagles, at least at this point, are probably going to keep Wentz on the roster. But if he's already said he doesn't want to be a backup, boy, do you have an opportunity if Belichick? I mean, if you don't pull that trigger, I, I don't know what's wrong with it. You got a kid that's got a ton of talent, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's get to that other NFC lease game, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. They are a one-point favorite at the New York Giants, and frankly, based on the performance last week, I don't think that's enough. I think I think Dallas, I think Dallas should be favored by more than a point. It's hard because Dallas is not very good on the road, and the Giants are not very good at home. <laughs> so it's like the it's like the battle of the idiots. I mean, what do you want? I mean, it's it's so. This game is basically going to come down to one thing: can the can the Giants stop the Dallas passing offense? Because if they can, they should be able to move the football. I mean, there's not a problem there. Um, but Dallas has found a spark the last few weeks. I mean, they beat Cincinnati big. They beat San Francisco by scored like 40 points on that good defense, and then they scored another almost 40 on the Eagles. So. Dallas's offense is clicking, and the Giants is not. I mean, right. the Giants is absolutely not clicking at all. Daniel Jones really stinks. But they've played some tough defenses. There's no question about that. You, when you play Baltimore, you know, that's a, that's a tough team to, to go in and, and, and win against. So, to me, this is a very, very tight game. I think it comes down to the wire. But I'm going to keep our spirits alive. I will keep our Super Bowl pick alive. I think the Dallas Cowboys go to the playoffs. And I think they play the Tampa Bay Bucks in the first round more than likely. That's probably going to be who it is. And we got Dallas uh, after all year killing them. Dak Prescott injury. They find a way to get to the playoffs and annoy the crap out of all of us. All right, this next game, I was shocked when I saw this line. I thought it was a misprint. And I gotta assume it's only because the the Steelers are gonna rest a bunch of guys. The Cleveland Browns are a ten point favorite at home over the Steelers. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I wouldn't take the I wouldn't take the Browns uh, on the spread, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Not for a no, hell no. 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 Um I'll the reason being is because Pouncey is out and, and, and Watt is out and Roethlisberger is out. So 
They have a lot of guys, obviously, sitting. Uh, Cam Hayward as well. So a lot of really good defensive players. Uh, listen, this is that Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, Helmet Bash game yep. <laughs> rematch. Oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm sure that the Browns are, are quite motivated for a game like this. Uh, obviously, you can't not be. But the Steelers, it's not like they're not playing for anything. And you know what? You got to watch out because Mike Tomlin might say, listen, guys, we don't have our starters playing. So all you young guys that don't get a chance that might need a contract next year, this is your rehearsal. You know, go out and dominate. And, and they usually like to play for their coach. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh won here. But I think Cleveland is too desperate. I think Cleveland has at least enough talent here. Uh, even without Malcolm Smith and Denzel Ward, they still have, they're getting their receivers back. And that's a huge deal for them. They need those receivers. Um, I think, I think Cleveland finds a way to get it done against, against the Steelers this weekend. All right, the next one, uh, the Tennessee Titans, despite an absolutely horrendous performance in Green Bay uh, last week, still in the driver's seat to win their division title. Seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home, or excuse me, seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Houston. This is the one that scares me because I feel like Tennessee, I've been thinking about this game ever since yesterday when we did our Sunday card show, is that Tennessee has a little bit of a, an issue on on defense defending the pass. And Deshaun Watson, I mean, they don't have any weapons really around him right now, but Brandon Cooks has been lighting it up all week. And J.J. Watt as well, like, you know, he had a big speech at the end of the game last week about how guys need to actually, like, if they don't want to be here, don't be here, and kind of got fired up last week. The Titans got killed. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it was like a surprise if he had an incompletion. I mean, it was it was incredible what he did. Henry should have a big game. He's very close to 2,000 yards, so I'm sure they're going to try and get that for him. But they got to make the playoffs. And if they don't win this game and all those other teams win, they're out. the Titans are out. Yep. So that's a big deal. You want a surprise? I'll give you a surprise. I'll take Houston. I'll take the Houston Texans to win uh, and upset the Titans and we have a little chaos in the AFC South uh, in uh, in Week 17. All right, uh, New Orleans Saints. They uh, they are going on the road for their last game. Six and a half point favorite uh, at Carolina. They've already locked up a playoff spot. Um, it, you know, does that does that make any difference in what happens this week? You know, it's so funny. Uh, everybody was hyped about the Saints last week. I think they're obviously going to play hard, you know, this week in Carolina. But the the Camara thing was huge. I mean, it's six touchdowns in one game. I mean, who does that? That's yeah. absurd. Um, so, to me, though, I'm still not convinced. I'm still kind of not convinced about Drew Brees and and his arm and and what they can do. I know that the Saints' defense is really good. But this is a Carolina team that I, I promise you, in the next two to three years, Carolina will have a Super Bowl run. Look at what they're doing. They are a really, they're probably the best bad team in the NFL to me. Uh, so if Carolina can pull this out, they're missing a couple running backs this week, but Teddy Bridgewater is scary as an underdog. I'm going to say, reluctantly, I'm going to say another upset. I'm going to say Carolina beats New Orleans oh, wow. this weekend. I really, I really like that one. Because I think New Orleans, they're really not playing for much. They're just happy, I think, to be a divisional champion. So I think that's a little bit of an upset this week. All right. Buffalo Bills don't have a lot to play for this week. 
You know, the only possible thing you look at it would be the tiebreaker with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But um, this game means everything to the Miami Dolphins, and you have to go to Buffalo with, uh, you know, Tua at quarterback. I think this is going to be an uphill struggle for the Dolphins to win this game. Mm, I agree. It's going to be like, uh, who's that Greek god that has to push the, bowl, the boulder up the Sisy- mountain? And Sisyphus. Then, yeah. There you go, Sisyphus. That's that's the Dolphins this week, and they got to figure out a way to push the boulder up the mountain uh, all the way up from Miami to Buffalo. Have fun with that. So I think that uh, I think that this is going to be a very difficult game if Buffalo makes Tua play to the sidelines again. Like I said, he has not been able to make passes across the field horizontally or down the field at all, and that's a problem. And you know Fitzpatrick came right into that game on Saturday night and just zip, zip, zip down the field. He was throwing him to Mike Kosicki. Kosicki, uh, rumors that Mike Kosicki may not play in this game. I'm not sure. I have to look that one up. But if he does play in the game, and let's assume that he does, that's going to be the safety valve for two at Dagavailoa. And if they take him away, they're going to make him do something that he hasn't been able to do. So to me, I think the Bills are hot. The Bills are probably the biggest threat to the Chiefs. I'll take the Bills to win. I think Miami probably misses the playoffs, possibly. All right. Uh, Arizona at the Rams. You win and you get in, except the Rams. <laughs> no Jared Goff. And now supposedly Kyler Murray was questionable for Arizona, but the last I heard was is that he does plan to play. But win and you get in. Who wins this one? Arizona, a three-point favorite on the road. I'm not sure it's a bad thing right now that Jared Goff is out, to no. be quite honest. <laughs> 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 the way that offense has been moving, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, this is a tough one because Arizona, again, Murray, how mobile is he? If they can keep him in the pocket on defense, the Rams can certainly win this game with their defense. There's no question about that. And remember, the Rams' offense is not predicated on a quarterback play. It's really not at the end of the day. It's a system. It's a big system that Sean McVay runs. If you stick to that system, you can win the game. And I think that they can win the game, and I think the Rams will win the game. I think the Rams will find a way with a backup quarterback, yes. Wofford has not played, uh, but he's a, he's actually a much more athletic guy than you think he is. Uh, I know a lot of people haven't seen him play that much. He was an AAF guy playing in the in that in that league. He's so big forest, right? It, it, yeah, out of Lake Forest, yep. So, um, And then he obviously moved to the AAF. So, you know, to me, I think the Rams have enough here to, to dumb down the offense enough to where they can beat the, the Cardinals on Sunday. I, I like it a lot. They're going to need a lot of help from Ramsey and Donald and the rest of that defense, but I think they can do it. You know, I'm going to give you one more. I was just looking at this, and this spreads closer than I thought. Um, Green Bay has to finish the season at the Bears. Uh, and look, the number one seed is still up for grabs. So they've got to win this game to guarantee getting that number one seed. Um, they are a five and a half point favorite on the road. And I look, I, to, to me right now, if, if uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't the MVP, there needs to be an investigation. <laughs> you know what? God bless you, team. Keep pushing them. Keep pushing them. I'm going to keep pushing them because, like I said, Somebody might have a preseason ticket for MVP on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I'm not going to say who. Yeah. But uh, 
The Bears, I think this is a perfect spot for the Bears to let everybody down. I think they've been playing great. And this is a, the spot where they absolutely fall flat on their face and roll down the hill. And Bears going to bear. That's what I'll say. Right. I'll, Bears going to bear. I think the Packers kill them. All right, let's get to the uh, the two uh, playoff games in college football today. Alabama is a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, look, I, I look, I get it, okay? Here's the problem. Alabama can't stop anybody, you know? So, I, the, the fact, you know, I just, can, can they really win a game by 19-and-a-half points over a pretty good Notre Dame team? I still don't believe Notre Dame belongs in this, but that's another story. Uh, but 19-and-a-half points, good Lord. Well, I'll say this. I mean, they, they couldn't stop Florida. And Florida has, is one of the best offenses in the country. And they have a ton of guys that are going to go to the NFL. You saw how, how much they missed the four receivers that opted out of oh, their bowl game. Yeah, and they got killed right. by Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you saw that. That was a big deal. So, Florida's really good. Notre Dame's offense is not Florida. I mean, that's, they're, they're, they're going to win the game in the trenches. And, and you know what? Alabama has two guys on the defensive tackle line that should be in the NFL either this year or next year. Uh, one of them, Christian Barmore, he's going to have to control the defensive line for Alabama going up against that big Notre Dame offensive line. Ian Book cannot turn the ball over if they, they want to have a chance. He cannot turn the ball over, but they have to control the clock because if they give Alabama the chance on offense, give them multiple, multiple chances, they're dead. I mean, there's no way. There's no way that they can contend with that offense and Harris and Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, who might win the Heisman Trophy this year as a wide receiver. Um, so, you know, to me, it's all about controlling the clock for Notre Dame. I'm just not sure they can stop Alabama's offense. It's just so good. I don't know about 19 and a half. That's a big line. But I'll pick Alabama to win the game. All right, the fascinating game of the day. Clemson, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Ohio State. And Dabo Swinney, of course, who gave uh, Ohio State plenty of bulletin board material by voting them 11th in the mm-hmm. coaches' poll. Uh, not the smartest thing to do. And he, he, had, he says, oh, no, it had nothing to do with that. I didn't vote anybody who played fewer than nine games in the top ten. You know, uh, okay, you can say that all day long, but it's still, <laughs> it's still bulletin board material for this Ohio State team. Yeah, clearly. I mean, look – I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that Clemson is bad, but this is certainly not their best team. I'll say that it's certainly not their best team that they've had. Uh, but for Lawrence to go out, uh, I'm sure he wants to go out a champ. And I think that Ohio State, what they're going to have to do here, they're, they're going to hope to God that they're at full strength because they have a couple of corners that are obviously really, really good. But you know what? It comes down to can it, it's, it's Justin Fields. I mean, this is Justin Fields coming out. Bar. It has right. to be. Right. It has to be the big game for Justin Fields because he has had problems holding on to the football too long, uh, not seeing the development of the plays, throwing interceptions where he couldn't throw an interception. And this is a rematch of last year's game. And you got to think Ohio State is motivated. I am very, very, very nervous about this game for Clemson, I think that they may be underestimating Ohio State a little bit. And I think Ohio State will have a lead late in this game. But I just think Clemson will find a way to pull it out with Lawrence. I I don't know if Ohio State has enough gumption to win this game late. And I think that's what it's going to come down to, is they got to win it with four minutes left in the game. 
I think they've run out of gas just like they did last year, and I think Clemson goes to the national title game. If, if uh, let's say, uh, Joey Lawrence stinks tonight, and I don't think he will, but let's say he doesn't have a good game, Clemson loses, any chance he screws up his number one draft pick? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. Okay. There's no way. He's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. There have been plenty of guys that have had bad bowl performances and have had great NFL careers. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins comes to mind. Joe, uh, who was it? That very recently had a bad game. Uh, I think it was Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had not a, not a great game the last few years. He was number one pick. There's no bandwagon on the draft. None. You heard it here first. Dan Zampano on Sports Country Radio. Thank you so much. We'll have you back for the playoffs. This isn't the last time we're going to see you. But uh, by the way, you uh, your picks for the season. You're five games over 500. You're 50 and 45 for the year. You had a, you had a pretty amazing. Good, you had a pretty good week last week. You went five and two last week. So, uh, and if you if you hadn't picked Vegas, you could have been even better than that. But ah, uh, oh, they <laughs> killed me. They killed me, Gene. I had I. You know, it's funny. I'm five games over five hundred on the Sunday card as well. Is that right? With less games. Well, there you go. So this is a very consistency. That's what I'm all about. Consistency. Well, you can hear Dan and the boys on the Sunday card at eleven o'clock in the morning tomorrow, as well as uh, three and five in the afternoon, and then Sunday morning at eleven o'clock. Dan, Happy New Year! We're glad that 2020 is over. We both survived it, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. God bless Gene, and God bless this country in this new year, because God knows we need it. Goodness gracious. You're not kidding. Dan Zapano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We've got country music for you all weekend. Uh, Our regular programming preempted here on New Year's Day, so it'll just be country music all through the weekend. So enjoy that. We leave you this morning with a little music from Kelsey Ballerini, Hole in the Bottle. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you for our second show of 2021 on Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.